Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Illinois Senate Republican leader Bill Brady. He's been leading his caucus since 2017, but he's been in the legislature since 1993. He was first in the House and then in the Senate. He's been a businessman, mostly in development and marketing. And as a lawmaker, Senator Brady has fought for education funding and accountability, workers' compensation reform and such. And now he's one of the four legislative leaders, uh, along with... House Speaker Michael Madigan, Democratic Leader Don Harmon, and House Republican Leader Jim Durkin. Senator Brady was born and raised in Bloomington, and he still lives there. And in fact, he is there right now, and he joins us via Zoom conference, so we are definitely doing social distancing. Bill Brady, welcome back to the program. Greg, always good to be with you. Well, uh, I think we probably need to start with the extension of Governor Pritzker's uh, stay-at-home order since it has uh, sparked protests, two lawsuits, a court injunction, and more. First, how supportive have you been of what the governor has done so far in this COVID-19 crisis? Well, Craig, I think all of Illinois is concerned about this pandemic and the risk it puts to some of our most vulnerable citizens and frankly, all of our citizens, even those that don't appear vulnerable, have succumbed to the virus. And uh, it's something we're all taking seriously. Uh, the governor has uh, done what he has done. I know my constituents are taking it seriously. Our caucus is taking this seriously. Uh, and uh, it needs to be taken seriously. Uh, there are, though, things that need to be done um, uh, as soon as possible. The governor... Uh, took it upon himself to take by executive order uh, emergency circumstances, which gave him the authority to state certain things. Uh, those things have been in place now for over a month and a half. Uh, he's extending that order with some limitations, which I think were much needed limitations and, and more are frankly needed. Uh, but I also think that uh, we need to, uh, as we take this seriously, we need to look at the ways in which we can open up uh, our economy in a safe way. We need to look at ways in which the legislature can reconvene and help the governor make these decisions as we are, are supposed to. Uh, and um, we need to work on a plan uh, that will help put people's livelihoods back at work, all while understanding and maintaining that safety comes first. 
Well, now, so far, two Republican state representatives uh, are the ones who have challenged the governor's authority uh, to do what he's doing right now. First off, should people see this as a partisan battle? Some of the rhetoric involved here has sort of made it seem that way. I I don't think so. We have been uh, very uh, open to helping the governor in any way he wants, we, we as Republicans, in any way we can. We've offered uh, bipartisan suggestions, some of which he's been able to seek, find his way to uh, put in place, others which he hasn't. Uh, but no, this is not a partisan fight. This is about how we deal with this horrific virus, how we protect the citizens of Illinois, uh, keep our state as healthy and as safe as possible, also while realizing that uh, the financial health of the state is critically important, and we can't ignore the need to move ourselves forward in a safe fashion. Um, at least when there have been protests, and, and you know, we are speaking uh, ahead of a day when, in fact, there were expected to be more, um, a lot of the protesters have said this is all about constitutional rights. The governors and others say this is about life and death. Uh, who should be the who should be making the call on what this a is about, and b what rules at the end of the day? Well, evidently, because of the lawsuits that have been filed, the courts are the ultimate authority on what authority the governor has. Uh, we've had legal opinions given to our caucus, and we've shared those with our caucus. Um, so ultimately, the courts will make that. Uh, the governor is making what he thinks is decisions within what his counsel is giving him are within his legal authorities. But ultimately, the courts will make that decision. I guess one, uh, maybe this is a theoretical question, but should courts be the ones that make a decision when the issues are public health? I mean, this is not just about the law, is it? I mean, this is about what is what science yeah. is doing, say. There are three branches of government. Uh, there are laws that the legislature passes and puts in place that the governor signs, uh, statutes that are on the books, and there's the enactment of those that uh, arguments over which end up in the courts. But th- th- these court cases and other issues are exactly why we feel it's paramount that the legislature convene as soon as safely possible. Other legislatures have convened. We need to play our role. We need to step up to our responsibilities. Uh, We're asking people to go to the local grocery store and do their job. We're asking nurses and firefighters to go to work and do their job. I believe the legislature needs to go to work. My caucus believes the legislature needs to go to work and do their job and put in place through legislative partnering with the executive branch of government uh, to use the authorities that we have. The governor shouldn't have to do this all by himself. Uh, we believe we can and must uh, play our role, uh, our responsibility, and we shouldn't be leaving this up to the courts. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about what the legislature can and should be doing, but I do want to ask you one other question about all the legal wranglings that are going on right now. Um, the Woodford County State's Attorney, Greg Minger, says that he's not going to enforce or prosecute the governor's order going forward. How comfortable are you, uh, how comfortable are you with the, uh, the way this is all playing out in that regard? Yeah. 
Well, I certainly want to see law and order. There are obviously differences of opinions about what people have to do. Again, that's where I think it's paramount that the legislature uh, go back and, and do the responsible thing and, and do what we're supposed to do as soon as we can do so in the safest manner possible. I, I, I just believe that we can do that. Other legislatures are doing that. And uh, I think it's the lack of legislative involvement uh, that has created this environment where people are making their own decisions. Ultimately, uh, if we don't clear the, the air on these things with the partnership between the executive and the legislative branch, you'll see more and more go to the courts and I would rather see it resolved in other ways. Now, first, what has Governor Pritzker told you about the path that he's taking in terms of whether the legislature meets and, and frankly, what things are being done? I mean, you, how extensively have you spoken with him? Well, we, the governor has been very open to discussion with members of the General Assembly, and particularly me. Uh, anytime he's got something he wants to talk about, he calls me and we talk, and I call him and we talk. Uh, I think it was just last week that we missed a real critical juncture where I was hoping that last, at the end of last week, the governor's order might include a calling in at the legislature. One of the reasons was the governor has stated that he supports uh, fair maps in Illinois. And a deadline uh, will pass on May 3rd uh, that we didn't deliver an opportunity to the citizens of Illinois to vote on whether or not they think the people of Illinois ought to draw maps for legislative districts or uh, the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate. Uh, I asked him for his help in bringing the General Assembly together. He said, Bill, I think that's the responsibility of the House and the Senate. And uh, I would encourage you to visit with both uh, the Speaker and the President. Uh, I spoke with the President of the Senate. Uh, he, um, he, he was open to it, but is uh, much more uh, thought in, thought in that uh, he doesn't know a safe way to do it. Uh, we are beginning to work through our Chiefs of Staff, the Secretary of State's office, uh, to provide a safe way in which the legislature can meet and partner with the governor in solving our state's problems in this crisis. The governor also told me in that discussion that there are things he knows he doesn't have the authority to do that he needs, that the state needs to get done. One of those is uh, to use the federal uh, money for the COVID-19 cost to, in fact, um, pay people who are providing services. He can't do that without legislative authorization. Now, in talking about being able to do this safely, it's not like there, as you point out, there are, not, there are models around for, for doing it safely. Congress has met. Uh, and a body that large managing to do it with social distancing, one would expect that there are easily ways to do that. Um, what's the whole, I mean, have the leaders talked about this? I mean, you've talked to the Senate president, but what about Speaker Madigan? You know, I, I've got a call into the speaker. Um, he's a busy man. I haven't heard back from him yet. Uh, but Leader Durkin and I have talked about it. President Harmon and I have talked about it. The governor's talked about it. You're, you're absolutely right. Not only has Congress met, other legislatures have met. But again, I say if we, if we ask people 
to go in and presume that it's a relatively, if not very safe environment in a, your local grocery store, why can't the members of the General Assembly? It's pretty easy to socially distance in Springfield. It's not like we have to bring all of our staff back. It's not like every member has to meet in the General Assembly at the same time. I think there's a path, and we're going to continue to pursue that path. Uh, we think the people of Illinois deserve it. Frankly, the governor deserves our help. Let me ask you about uh, a, a much smaller meeting. When last you and I spoke, uh, you were calling for a meeting of the legislative leaders. Um, and later that day, that later that very day, Governor uh, Pritzker was asked about that, actually, by me, and, and, and said, if you want one, fine. So what's happened since then? Well, well, thank you for following up on my part. <laughs> uh, I will tell you that uh, last week we did have that meeting to discuss various things that we felt needed to be considered in the um, next executive order, and we discussed various other things, some of which uh, the governor and his staff uh, put in the order, uh, some of which we're still going to push for. And... Uh, we, we, we want to make sure that uh, the people of this state understand that the Senate Republicans are taking this pandemic very, very seriously. But we also have to take very, very seriously the economic health of our state and where we can meet both objectives, uh, increasing the economic health of our state while maintaining the safety and health of our citizens. Uh, we need to do so. And I'm going to want to ask you a lot more about how we do that in just a second. You are listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We are talking via Zoom conferencing with uh, Illinois Senate Republican leader Bill Brady, who joins us from his home in Bloomington. Uh, how do you see a return to normal being established in Illinois? I mean, do you see this as, a, as something that can happen as as one move, or is it going to have to be something gradual? No, I, I very much believe in the, the Fauci theory that uh, as the circumstances in your state improve, whether it be with, which includes testing, uh, PPE, uh, decline in infections, and what is related to those infections, that you should begin opening up your state, uh, the people of your state should have the opportunity, to more and more through each phase. And, and, and that's what Dr. Fauci has laid out. I, I've asked the governor to lay out his plan, and I, I hope and believe he's probably working on it, but the sooner the better. One of the problems that I think the public has is they're dealing with two uncertainties right now. One uncertainty is, what will this virus do? How will it grow? How will its infections grow or reduce? How will all of that be affected? And, and that's a hard one to gauge, is how we'll react to those changes. And I think we can lay a plan out on how we'll react uh, to those, <coughs> excuse me, to those circumstances uh, and alleviate some of those questions on behalf of the people of Illinois. Two things that can be done. In the meantime, I, I know that the call has been for those essential businesses 
to remain open as safely as possible. The, the problem I have with that is an essential business defined by someone uh, may not lead to an essential definition by the owner of that business or its employees or its customers. There are businesses that aren't defined as essential under current orders that are essential to somebody. And if those essential businesses can operate safely with plexiglass, with masks, with gloves, with other safety uh, items where cash maybe doesn't, isn't used, but a credit card is inserted by the person who owns it, like we're seeing happen at fast food franchises and grocery stores and all kinds of places, if those can be done and we can start working to regenerate economic activity and, and move forward in a safe way, we need to be doing that, whether that business is deemed, uh, quote, an essential service uh, under the, the current definitions, or if it's just an essential business to the people who own it, the people who work there, and the people who patronize it. But who polices that to make sure that they are doing things the right way when you start opening thousands of businesses? Uh, you know, some employees are going to be afraid that they might catch the disease. Uh, some customers, in fact, there's still worries that some customers may not come back. But who, who looks at the businesses and says, you're doing it right? Well, that's, um, that's a great question. I think we've given a lot of We've relied a lot on and given a lot of that authority to local health departments. Um, uh, I think, you know, we, we trust that they will, before COVID-19, we, we trust that they would make sure that our restaurants were operating in a safe way. I think uh, we're going to have to rely on them uh, while we're uh, living in a new normal under the, under the conditions of COVID-19 without a, without a, a vaccine. Do you worry, though, that uh, that either in some smaller areas where the health department may not be all that robust, uh, that they just won't be able to look in into enough doors and enough windows and back rooms to uh, to make sure that the workers aren't being forced to work in conditions that they, you know, can't help? Well, better that we fund them to be able to do so than to continue to prohibit businesses which can operate safely from operating safely. Um, what will be a sign to you, uh, you know, that, that maybe we need to pull back? And, is that, and are you worried that once we walk those few steps forward, if there's a surge of cases, people won't want to pull back? Well, I'm worried that as we take those steps, we may see evidence that we have to pull back. I think anybody who studies the science of this and the experts of it realize that's a real opportunity. But you're not going to find that out until you move forward. So you make sure you've got the staffing of supplies and people to be able to handle uh, the cases. Uh, you you look for a decline in cases so that uh, – in uh, other countries have, have done this. We, we weren't the first involved in this, and there's other histories that will help us. But, but I, I also worry uh, that if we ignore the fact that we are staffed and equipment up and that we're seeing a decline, there's, there's other social 
uh, costs to shutting down businesses and people's livelihoods and people's personal liberty. So that's a balance that, that, that it has to be made. And unfortunately, there is no perfect decision. But we do have to start planning for the opening. We cannot continue under these circumstances indefinitely. Everyone knows that. And we're, we're a smart country. We can figure out how to live with this virus pre-vaccine uh, in the best way possible. Um, before I talk to you about uh, some real legislative concerns like the budget, uh, <laughs> tell me how satisfied you are, especially in, in your area, that hospitals and first responders and health departments are getting the personal protective equipment and the testing kits that they need. Yeah, this has taken us all aback. We, we clearly weren't prepared. No one was prepared for this. No one thought we'd have to live through something like this that I've talked to. Uh, but I've seen great progress on the part of uh, local uh, medical facilities, state facilities, uh, uh, governments helping out people moving forward. Uh, we talk daily to providers uh, who tell us they're getting, getting there. Uh, many of them were the ones who asked us to ask the governor to allow him, to allow them to begin doing what is called elective procedures, but really not elective, because they may be precancerous procedures that if not completed, they will create greater harm and, uh, than even the risk of COVID-19. So uh, we've been monitoring, we're moving with the experts. So where we would have preferred elective procedures never take place, we talked to the medical community. They said, listen, let's take this a step at a time. And by and large, they were the ones that came and said to us that uh, we think we're ready to start doing more than what we've been allowed to do in a safe way. And that, that was important to us, which is one of the reasons I asked the governor uh, to begin the process of authorizing, allowing protocols for health providers to provide those procedures. And we're not talking about cosmetic procedures here. We're talking about serious procedures that someone may need for their preventive health of very serious disease. And, and as I understand it, uh, some of those measures are being uh, uh, allowed or some of those procedures are now going to be allowed under the governor's new rule, correct? We, we feel very good about the success we had in laying the argument in front of the governor. Well, let's talk a little bit about the budget, because at some point, you're going to have to be doing that and working on it. First off, how, I mean, we've been talking around this, how badly damaged do you believe Illinois' economy will be by all of this? Well, more so than ever in my lifetime. Um, the question is, how quickly can we recover? Uh, and uh, how much further will we be damaged? Um, it's going to be hard to gauge. And uh, I studied economics myself. I know a lot of people who are experts in economics. I think this is going to be very hard for anyone uh, to predict today. You can, you can make predictions, but the accuracy of those predictions, I think, will have a very great margin of error. Until we start seeing the economy kicking back in gear, realizing that there may be yet another fear of an outbreak that would cause another slowdown, you really don't know. And the challenge here is we're going to be at a time when 
we won't have the resources that we want uh, and and the needs of the people of the state are going to be greater than ever uh, because of the circumstances so this is this is going to be very very difficult and a couple of weeks ago, I talked with the mayor of, uh, of Aurora, which has had kind of a revival, uh, you know, in recent years, and their downtown is thriving. And he said his biggest fear is that in places like that, people will be too afraid to come back. He, he was saying, well, I'm not sure when, if people are going to not be afraid to be in crowds anymore. And that's something that they, no one has calculated for. Yeah, I, I think... That's something that we're all concerned about. I, I'm, a, I'm a business person. Uh, uh, my business has been dramatically affected, and my associates in my businesses have been dramatically affected by this economic devastation. And we're all wondering, are, are habits going to change permanently? You know, I remember after 9-11, there was this big push, okay, buy the ticket to Disney World and, uh, you know, Go have fun. Rebuild the economy. That was a different type of re-engagement uh, than what this is. And in, until we get a vaccine, uh, I think there is going to be greater hesitation than ever. Uh, but I think there's a lot we can do with people safe, and uh, and things can be done in a safe manner. One of the last things we're going to be able to talk about, uh, with so much ground to make up, do you think those calls for a graduated income tax that you have been fighting since the governor was elected, do you think that kind of a tax may be inevitable now? I'm sorry, I'm not sure exactly what your question is. Well, it's, it's is the argument for the governor is now saying, especially to help us recover from this, we're really going to need a graduated income tax. And well, is the, do, you, do you think the argument that it's inevitable or that it's necessary is going to hold more water now? No, I, I, I think the governor's got a couple of problems here that he, he can't overcome. One is I don't believe that the numbers are real. I don't, I don't believe he'll be able to drive the numbers that he wants. Secondly, I think the bigger factor will be that people just don't trust uh, elected officials when it comes to saying, I'm going to reduce your taxes. They just, there's a fundamental lack of trust out there on that, that statement. And frankly, if you look at the proposal, it has um, the savings that even they put pen to paper on uh, for some of our lowest income earners is, is so nominal. I think the biggest challenge that the governor's going to have, because people have a great concern, particularly in Illinois, about uh, elected officials saying, I'm not going to raise your taxes, they just, there's going to be a lack of trust there. I think that's going to be a big challenge for the governor. And uh, I think the, the financial condition might even make that challenge greater. Do you think that the challenge is going to be great for the legislature in general to craft a budget that even purports to be balanced this time? Absolutely. Um, first of all, predicting revenues, I think, will be impossible to the extent we've been able to predict them with certainty in the past come June 30th. 
so the revenue predictions are not the the, the accuracy and the, the the limited amount of information, frankly, we'll have. I think there will be predictions made. Someone will have to do that. But I don't. I don't think there's a, a time when their accuracy will be questioned more greatly. Not because someone's got a better series of predictions, just because really we aren't going to know that quickly how the economy is going to react to its rebuilding and, and this virus until we get a vaccine or certainly a better better therapy or a therapy in general. So those those are going to be difficult. And the fact that um, I don't know that there's been a time when there's been a greater need uh, for a government assistance in my lifetime anyway, than what we're probably going to see here. A lot of that's going to have to do with what the federal government's willing to do to help uh, us with the cost of this pandemic. And Senator, that is going to have to be the fast last word. Uh, and I appreciate your taking the time uh, from spending this half hour with us. That's State Senate GOP leader Bill Brady. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 